Hello, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Tools and Challenges podcast. My name is Angela. I'm from Southwest Arkansas in the United States of America. And my clean date is July 2nd, 2019. I have been reading in a lot of the recovery groups and stuff about um, a lot of people are relapsing with um, alcoholism is mainly what I've been seeing lately. So me being a recovering alcoholic and addict, I based this um, podcast, it was more based on alcoholism than drugs today. Um, But either or, you can replace it with whatever your addiction is to this um, title is called Relapse Recovery, What to Do If You Relapse. Because mainly in my past, when I would relapse and realize the next day or night, whenever, that your money is gone, you don't have no cigarette, you have no groceries, you didn't pay your bills, your car is out of gas, all because you had that one day, one night, however long it took, of relapse. And then you played, you know, people would be mad at you, family and friends, and you would play that poor pitiful me, I know I did, so I'm speaking on behalf of me, play that poor pitiful me, um, boo-hoo, numerous times, um, tried committing suicide. But I think now that I look at it, it was more as a combination of my um, medications and the drug and alcohol abuse that, and trying to get sympathy for a mistake and getting in so much trouble with family. Um, so for those of you who go through that, or is still trying to come out at the, because it took me relapses, 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 um, until I broke in 2018, at the end of 2018, and decided that was my New Year resolution for January 1st of 2019 would be my um, path to recovery. And yes, I did go into recovery uh, January of 2019, and then I had a minor setback, only uh, a relapse after I had about, um, I think, six months under my belt, but I wasn't, when they say you're not ready, you shouldn't date for the first year of your recovery. Yeah. It's pretty much true on my end because that's what I ended up dating somebody and relapsed in three or four days. And when I realized what I'd done, um, I changed my whole mindset. So that's when um, my new sobriety date come in was July 2nd of 2019. And I had not touched nothing since then. No cigarettes, no pills, and no... Um, well, actually, I quit my cigarettes December 8, 27th of 2018. But to know there are other things you can do to help 
bypass that feeling sorry for yourself and stand up and dust yourself off and go and try again. What to do if you relapse? Relapse is a de devastating blow to anyone's recovering. You were doing so well and then BAM! That inner voice got to you. Relapse is a part of addiction. It happens for all kinds of reasons, and there are things you can and should do to prevent relapse from happening again. But for now, let's deal with where you are at this moment. Let's get back on track. 1. What to do next? Don't start feeling sorry for yourself. Just do, don't. What good does it do? Not only have you let yourself down, but you've got alcohol slash drugs or whatever your addiction may be in your system, which is causing you to experience a major hangxiety. Not anxiety, hangxiety. Here's what I want you to here's where I want to reassure you a little bit. Yes, you feel absolutely awful about drinking again. But there is a medical reason why those <laughs> bad feelings amplified the day after drinking. Why you feel terrible after a night of drinking. Now this goes a little more scientific. And at first it was like I was reading it like blah blah blah. But then I got to looking at it and I looked some of it up and it really does make sense. Alcohol stimulates GABA, G-A-B-A, -A, in the brain, which release that chill, that feel-good vibe we all enjoy from a good buzz. The first two drinks are pure GABA bliss. <coughs> Excuse me. But once you get to rounds three, four, and five, your brain starts blocking Glutamate. GABA, or GABA, however you want to say it, its principal role is reducing neuron, neuronal excitability throughout the nervous system. More glutamate means you have more anxiety. When alcohol blocks the production of glutamate, your anxiety falls to the, almost nothing. What's so bad about that? Well, what comes up must come down. And that is exactly what is happening to you after you drink. Our bodies like balance. When we do things to it that I'm sorry, hold on a minute. Throw our internal state out of whack, it will actively work to correct it. It is not normal to have GABA levels so high and glutamate levels blocked. So what does the brain do? It adjusts. Your brain will drop GABA levels and spike glutamate. That means a depressed mood and sky high activity. Anxiety, I mean. <clears throat> and I was just thinking that. That's why I said activity. Because to me, the depressed and the sky high, that would be like you feeling high one minute with your mood and it's like a um, a mood disorder 
you know, manic depressive state. It can take, and I can remember, I'm sorry, I can remember having that so many manic states in my past. It wasn't even funny. And it was so tiring and just so, ugh. It can take one to do two days to return to normal. But if you're routinely putting your brain through this cycle, it can take even longer. Add that to the fact that you just broke your sobriety and it's no wonder you feel like the most horrible person in the world right now. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I cleaned a house today and there was dog hair and cat hair so now my throat and stuff is itching at 8.32 at night so this is usually when my son is just kicking and starts raining at night. Okay, so... At, let me repeat that last paragraph. At that, add that to the fact that you just broke your sobriety, and it's no wonder you feel like the most horrible person in the world right now. But here's the thing. You're not. Understanding why you feel terrible after a relapse. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself after a relapse and running the loop at four 4,592 ways, you're the absolute worst. Use this information I just gave you. Step away from the internal war in your brain for a second. Say to yourself, I'm not me right now. There is all the chemical, there is a little, little chemical war raging in my brain. I need to let everything get back in the balance, and then I can tackle this with a clear head. The more you can prevent yourself from identifying with the same parade stomping through your brain, the better equipped you will be able to handle in a constructive, healthy way. It's not going to be easy. I know how overwhelming the thoughts and emotions can be. There were days I had to wrap myself tightly in a blanket and breathe slowly just to feel normal somewhat. Stepping away from yourself in those moments is hard, but it must be done to the greatest extent possible. Drink a ton of water. Find a way to distract yourself until you feel like the storm has passed. And then recognize it's time to reach out for help. Number two, take responsibility for your relapse. Sometimes relapses happen, and it's hard for us to identify why. Maybe you've been to a dozen parties in your sobriety with no problems at all. Why was this party last night the one that got you? Other times, relapse is a result of major life disruptions. Somebody dies. A significant other leaves, or maybe a home is lost. Sobriety is a hard responsibility. But if we're going to recover after a relapse, we have to be ready to take ownership, even under the most terrible of circumstances. I don't mean that to be insensitive, because there are some things in life that are incredibly hard to face sober. 
but you still have to learn how, my friend. When you relapse in response to a tear in your world, to a tear in your world, you've now doubled your problems. Not only are you dealing with a loss you have no control over, but you add it to your deficit by tossing your sobriety in with the rest of it. Only you can choose that. There is a 100% chance that drinking will make it things worse. You can never truly numb yourself from pain. The body will always adjust and that adjustment will force you to face it one way or another. If this is you, I'm wrapping my arms around you right now. I understand why you did it. Let's make sure it doesn't go this way again. Number three, find the lesson in your relapse. Relapses are hard. Don't let it be for nothing. Learn something from it. If your relapse happened after a major life disruption, tragic, or, or tragic event, the lesson might be that you aren't emotionally prepared for handling the really big stuff without alcohol yet. Your responsibility is to make sure you are so it doesn't happen again. This could mean connecting with your sponsor, sponsor if you're working the steps, tackling this in counseling, or starting counseling if you haven't already. Maybe you realize that you need to call on your support system sooner before your emotions get the best of you. It's good to have a relapse plan in place so you know exactly what to do when a part of your world comes undone. Unpack your relapse. I'll use a happy hour slip up as an example. Let's say you went to happy hour after work with your friends. In the part past, you managed fine with a couple of mocktails. But last time, you started to get envious. That is when the voice popped up whispering, You've been good for a long time now. It's out of your system. You can have a, have a couple of drinks. It's fine. This is the point where I'd have you stop and dig deeper. Why did you get envious? Was it because you had a rough day at work and wanted to unwind with alcohol like everyone else? Or maybe you wanted to feel normal. In which case, the lesson could be that you need to find ways to handle your work stress differently. The lesson could also be that you still have some hang-ups with your relationship with alcohol that you need to work on. Perhaps you still cling to the notion that you can drink again one day. Whatever the case, recovering from relapse means forcing yourself to confront it head-on and grow from the experience. Otherwise, it will continue to happen. Number four. Get back in touch with your reasons for sobriety. One of the most important things you can do to recover from a relapse is to reconnect with your sobriety. It's not lost forever. Far from it. Your relapse can be as big or small as you want it to be. Hint, you want it to be very, very small. 
if you're journaling <coughs> right now, go back to the reasons you write down for wanting sobriety. Revisit the entries that talk about the advantages of sobriety and how it changed your world. If you're not journaling, try starting. Write down all the reasons sobriety is the right path for you. Recommit to it. The more you can calibrate your brain towards the positive, the better you'll be at leaving this relapse in the past where it belongs. I don't want to stop right there before I go to number five. Reason number five is my friend, and if you go to my Facebook page, Angela Dowling, um, she's um, tagged me in her um, post, but she just started her new podcast here on Spotify. Um, it's called Chrissy, Journaling Through with Chrissy. Or, yeah, Journaling Through with Chrissy. So, she just started it today, and so, um, y'all should check it out, support her. Um, she suffers from addiction and mental health and um, other issues as well, but um, I've been following her for year, four years, um, so, yeah, check her out. It's called Journaling Through Chrissy. Number five, take what you've learned and then adjust accordingly. If your relapse occurred as a result of people or places that you kept in your world but shouldn't have, then it's time to let them go. It's all about, it all connects back to the lesson in your relapse. You've learned something about yourself. Now you've got to take that knowledge and apply it so you won't repeat this mistake. Otherwise, what's the point? I touched on this earlier with the happy hour example. If bars or boozy hangouts are triggers, then don't go anymore when you feel stressed or worn out. Maybe your friend talked you into having just one. What was that all about? Talk to that friend. Explain why sobriety is important to you. Tell them you can't be around people pressuring you to drink and then see where it goes. Hopefully, your friend is as apologetic and commits to respecting your sobriety. If not, well, you know what to do. Number six, forgive yourself. Your relapse does not define you. It's a big deal and you should certainly take it seriously. But as a learning experience, a big fat warning sign. You aren't a bad, bad, you aren't a bad, weak, stupid, worthless, or hopeless person because of it. Or whatever names you called yourself, if not, called yourself after math. Here's what happened. You made a mistake. Forgive yourself for the mistake and commit to fixing it. But you can recover from the relapse. You can take responsibility for it. Learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again. If you hurt somebody else with your relapse, ask for forgiveness. Find a way to be of service to them and help them out. If they aren't willing or ready for you to do that, 
accept what is and move forward. Those things take time and you have have to be willing to give it to people. Number five. Make a relapse recovery and prevention plan. Having a relapse recovery plan is good for a variety of reasons. It gives you a clear vision of the path forward from here. Writing down your plan will help you commit to it. It becomes more real when you get it. Get it. Space to live. It becomes real when you give it space to live outside of your head. Planning provides structure, which is incredibly important at this stage of your recovery. A good relapse recovery plan should identify the triggers, the problem, or emotions that led to the relapse. Provide solutions for handling the underlying causes of the relapse inspire you to get back into sobriety. Outline detailed next steps you need to take in order to learn and grow from this experience. Provide actionable steps you can take in the event a relapse threatens your recovery again. Commit to moving on from your relapse. There is a part of your brain that is going to try to pull you back into the madness of drinking. If you get swept up in this internal monologue, you will not like where it leads. Trust me on that. The other option is to do something about it. Get out of your head and into the world. Get back into your routine. Find some new hobbies and fill your life with things that can keep you healthy and sober. Is that voice still going to pop up to you and say hello? You betcha. I'm a little over four years sober and I still have moments when I think about a dumb thing I said however many years ago. That person probably doesn't even remember it, but I do and it makes me cringe every time. And then it passes. It all comes down to mindset shifts. Are you going to let this thing define you and drag you back into that drinking pit? Or are you going to look forward and do better from here on out? It's your choice, my dear, and I'm here to help you out along the way. And Chrissy did something on her podcast that I really liked. And so... For those of you that would like to comment or listen to my podcast um, and would like to comment or reply or if you just want to talk to me about something or just need support or just a friend, please, um, my email address is red, R-E-D, stringfield, one at gmail.com. Please feel free to leave me a message. I will email you back uh, for sure um, because I want to be there as others were there to help me through some of the darkest, darkest times of my life. Take it from me, a recovering addict from, I was an addict from the time I was 16 to 38 years old. I am now 44 years old and 
I just want to give back and help those who need it and want the love and support because there were so many and there's still so many out there who still love and support me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, Relapse Recovering. Um, I will try to do another one in about another four or five days. Like I said, if you would like to reach me and email me and just talk, my email address is redstringfield1 at gmail.com. Thank you once again. God bless and have a great night. Please, welcome to Angela Recovery Tools and Challenges. This is a podcast I'm doing to help, support, and teach people in recovery tools for every part of recovery. How to deal with it mentally, physically, and anything and everything about recovery. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Angela, and I'm on the Recovery Tools and Challenges podcast. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Angela from Southwest Arkansas, doing my podcast, Recovery Tools and Challenges. And today's topic is called Depression, Anger, and Addiction, the Role of Emotions in Recovery and Treatment. And I'm going to read it, what I've written, and then I'm going to do maybe some comments or feedback on it. Negative and positive emotions have an impact on the way you act and feel which means that depression and anger can affect the choices you make and the behaviors you engage in. Depression, anger, and addiction are issues that are closely related. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, people with substance abuse disorders often have co-occurring mental health issues and vice versa. How do emotions affect addiction? When you feel happy, you are more likely to feel positive and make healthier or more constructive choices, whereas if you feel negative, you may be more inclined to engage in negative behaviors and make poor choices. People who experience mental wellness can cope with stress and make better decisions. Whereas mental illness or poor mental health can lead to problems with thinking, mood, and behavior. 
Poor mental health and addiction are mutually reinforcing. That is to say, when you feel bad, you may feel more inclined to misuse substances. Research has shown that emotional dysregulation, meaning an ability to control your response to stimuli, can not only be a risk factor for addiction, alcoholism, and depression, but also cause increased emotional problems. In addition, long-term drug use can impair your ability to deal with intense emotions and can cause further emotional dysregulation. Research has also shown that alcohol, drugs, and mental health disorders are strongly intertwined. Disorders and behaviors are correlated with a higher likelihood of substance and alcohol misuse. A recent study found that alcohol and depression are closely linked with sadness being a strong predictor of addiction. Depression and, depression and addiction. Everyone feels blue or down from time to time. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have depression. Depression is a serious mental health condition that requires medical care because it can worsen if left untreated. Depression occurs when you experience obvious negative changes in mood, thought processes, and motivation that last for at least two weeks and affect your ability to function. They are different types. There are different types of depressive disorders, including major depression, postpartum depression, bipolar disorder, and seasonal affective disorder. Major depressive disorder is a clinical disorder that involves experiencing symptoms of depressed mood and loss of interest for at least two weeks. So are appetite and sleep changes, fatigue or low energy, feeling chronically sad, empty, or anxious, feeling guilty, worthless, or helpless, feeling hopeless or pessimistic, feeling of restlessness, having trouble concentrating or remembering things, irritability, loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed, thoughts of suicide or self-harm, unexplained aches and pains. Depression and substance misuse or alcoholism often co-occur. People make choices for different reasons, so the reasons why one person becomes addicted and another doesn't can vary. Regardless, studies shows and confirms the link between substance misuse and depression. Furthermore, depressed people may be more inclined to misuse alcohol. Depression symptoms may subside when people stop drinking, but finding the motivation to enter treatment can be difficult. Different types of depression may lead to an increased risk of substance misuse.
Although clinical studies have demonstrated mixed results, in particular, people with major depression are twice as likely to have a substance use disorder than people without a mood disorder. And people with bipolar disorder are seven times more likely to suffer from addiction. One study of lifetime prevalence rate showed that among people who were diagnosed with a mood disorder, 32% had a co-occurring substance use disorder, or SUD. Among those who had major depression, 16.5% had an alcohol use disorder, and 18% had a drug use disorder. Out of those who had bipolar disorder, 56% had a lifetime substance use disorder. In addition to underlying genetic factors, depression and addiction may be closely related because many people self-medicate with drugs or alcohol as a way of managing their depressive symptoms. However, instead of making things better, it often only exaggerates or makes worse the issue. Someone who experiences depression and addiction will display the symptoms of depression as well as addiction. This combination is known as co-occurring disorder. Additionally, with people with co-occurring disorders are at higher risk of suicide attempts, anger, and addiction. Anger is a human emotion that can occur in response to discomfort and is seen as a predictor of aggressive behavior. People with high levels of aggression often display more verbal and physical aggression toward other people and may have, may have higher risk of mental illness. Different types of anger can affect you in different ways and can cause various signs and symptoms. Some clinicians believe that there are three main types of anger. Passive aggression, which means you feel angry but act out your anger in passive ways because you fear, you fear confrontation such as giving people the silent treatment or saying everything is fine when it's not. Open aggression, which stems from a need to feel in control. In this form of anger, you may lash out because of feelings of rage and become physically or verbally violent and aggressive. You might engage in bullying, yelling, blackmailing, or criticizing others. Assertive anger, which is thought to be the healthiest form of anger, you act maturely and respectfully toward others. Talk about your feelings and listen to others instead of acting out. Anger and substance misuse are strongly correlated. One study of incarcerated adolescents showed that outwardly expressed anger was significantly related to marijuana and alcohol use. Another study showed that 40% of cocaine users suffered from different levels of aggression. Here is an integrated treatment addiction.
plan. Integrated treatment is an effective form of treatment to deal with addiction and co-occurring disorders, meaning mental illnesses such as depression, schizophrenia, or bipolar that occur alongside drug or alcohol addiction. Integrated treatment involves components of cognitive behavioral therapy to help improve interpersonal and coping skills as well as medication to help treat the addiction and mental health issues. During treatment, you can expect to reserve, receive comprehensive medical and psychological care to others to address your mental and physical needs. You may participate in a variety of behavioral therapies, including cognitive behavioral therapy, which aims to change harmful beliefs and dysfunctional behaviors. Dialectical behavior therapy, which is designed to reduce self-harming behavior, such as cutting or other suicidal behavior and drug use. Assertive community treatment, which is a form of community-based mental health care designed to address severe mental illness such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and substance use. Contingency management or motivational incentives, which are adjunct connected forms of treatment that involve providing rewards for positive behavior. Please, if you or someone you care about has a co-occurring disorder, know that help is available. By engaging in a professional treatment program, you can begin the path to happier, healthier, and sober living and learn improved coping skills so you can live a drug and alcohol-free life. And the reason I did this podcast is because even though I'm four years clean, I still have a lot of anger issues. I still have a lot of depression and severe anxiety. I do take Cymbalta for the severe anxiety and the chronic pain. But it only does so much. Now, the anger issues makes things worse if you're in recovery because you are trying to deal with being sober. And like me, everything every day is a tour. I know I have four years under me, but it's not an easy task and I have to stay on it every day, all day. Otherwise... I will be right back where I was in life. I want you to know there is help and people who do understand. And if you don't think out, think there is, there is. Because I was one of those from the time I was 16 to 38 years old who I was a lost cause. Drugs and alcohol didn't make my mental illness worse. 
I am still dealing with depression. And that's because I lost a lot of my family before I got sober. My husband, my mother and father-in-law both died within two years of each other. My husband and father-in-law died a couple months from each other. So, you know, it's hard. But... I choose to go to Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. I made that choice again, and I'm fixing to start taking anger management at my Celebrate Recovery. And I do stay contact with recovery brothers and sisters all over the world. I have my recovery groups on Facebook. I have... My podcast I do, and I'm very much into um, my Bible studies because I am taking a world Bible course. Um, so please know that there are proper help out there for any mental illness or addiction you've got. Don't give up. And if you need help, please reach out to your nearest mental health facility or rehab center or a church. It doesn't matter where you find the help just as long as you get it. My name is Angela from Recovery Tools and Challenges Podcast. You may also find me on Facebook and was a addict. W-A-S capital A A-D-D-I-C-T. Um, I've been in that group for four years. That's my uh, home recovery uh, Facebook group. And um, they have been, um, one of my friends on there is from Australia. The other one is from Canada. And they have been with me every step of the way. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. And please, if you would like to leave any comments or just want to get back with me, please find me on Facebook and reach out to me. And if you need any resources, no matter what state you are in, I more than likely can have friends in that state that can find you the resources you need. I hope everyone has a great rest of the day and God bless. Thank you.